Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Well, good evening. It is so nice to have everyone here with us this evening. We are having our third episode here of Sovereign Self, where we weave spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I am here with this evening's guest, Haley Lynn Gray, and I am excited to have her here with me. Welcome, Haley. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, a little background on Haley. Uh, She founded Leadership Girl with the radical notion that women can harness their unique power and skills to become highly effective leaders. She is the best-selling author of Leadership Girl and a graduate of Duke's Fuqua School of Business. She has an MBA with concentration on entrepreneurship and innovation. Her experience is in starting up successful small businesses, growing and then selling them. Haley has worked with hundreds of small business owners since Leadership Girl was founded. She has a passion for helping her owners find ways to grow their business, acquire visibility, and transform to the go-to expert in their industry while saving them significant amounts of money. Haley is the founder of the Women's Entrepreneur Network Group on Facebook, which she successfully grew to over 60,000 members in only two years. It is recognized as one of the best, most engaging, and helpful groups of this type on Facebook. So I'm thrilled to have someone with these kinds of qualifications here talking with me today. But we're not actually going to start with the qualifications. We are going to start with the backstory because so many of us look at, at people like yourself, Haley, and say, oh, she was born that way. She had it so easy. She's this wonderful overnight success. And I know for a fact that can't be farther from the truth. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, there was no overnight to this. (laughs) So why don't we start at the beginning as opposed to the ending, which is what everybody sees when we read that bio. And let's... um, Let's go back to what your life was like before you had your spiritual awakening and before you moved into this path that eventually brought you to Leadership Girl. Okay, yeah. Life was very, very different at that point. I was working in a regular corporate job um, in a large IT company doing wonderful work managing interns. I had 11 interns working for me in three different states. And it was amazing. We were managing test and feature integration. And it was really a life with four kids and taking care of my parents. It was busy. And there was definitely something missing. And, and how did that show up for you? What was, that, what was it that said to you, there's something missing from my life at this time? It was really a lot of the... Um, looking at all of what I was trying to achieve, working on promotions, um, you know, how can I get ranked and rated better at this? How can I achieve more? What are the things that I really want in my life? And I went back and I looked at how many hours a week I was working, how much money I was actually bringing home a year. 
um, what my lifestyle looked like. And it was really amazing to be making as much money as I was. But after childcare, I was really only clearing about $5,000 a year. So that was really almost shocking to me to be making that much money and then not be bringing it home. And then, yeah, well, now I'm not going to ask you for an exact number, but was this five figures or six figures? So I was making well into the six figures and basically bringing home about $5,000 a year by the time I paid for childcare and I paid for, you know, all of my work-related expenses and everything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm working really hard for this. And I would go into my annual performance appraisals and it would be like, yeah, you know, you're doing great work. You do all of these things. And it was this laundry list three miles long. And I would do some of this and some of that. And I would jump in and, you know, jump over flaming buildings and, you know, through flaming hoops. And it was like, yeah, you know, that's okay. But, you know, we'd really like you to be more like this. And it was always inevitably something I couldn't do because, you know, if you want me to do A, then you can't have me to do B, C, and D. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> Haley only stretches so far. <laughs> right. If you want me to focus on detail, you can't put me on 53 different projects. You know, so it was very much that kind of thing where I was like, wow, I am never going to be successful in this environment in the sense of, you know, yay, you, you know, you're going to be a top performer. You're going to get these rankings and ratings. You're going to get the best raises. I had to fight basically tooth and nail for every single thing I got. And it was really kind of told to me almost that it was like grudging. It's like, well, you can, you know, you can have this little sliver of something, you know, because of our budget or this little sliver of something. I'm sitting there watching my husband. Cost of living increase. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And my husband was making more and more and more money than I was. And I was like, how is this even possible? And you know, I'm like, okay, so that the way that you can live comfortably and, you know, become wealthy is clearly not this path. And I applied for numerous um, jobs that would have been a promotion for me and a title increase. And that promotion really never happened because I would apply and and then I would basically get told, well, you're too valuable where you are. Oh, yes, yes. That, that is a trap that many people work their way into. And yeah. we're set up to do that in the corporate environment. I know when I was at, well, I won't use the name, but I, I worked at a Fortune 100 financial institution for quite a while. And one of the things that one of my mentors there told me was always make sure you have a replacement trained behind you or you can't mm-hmm. get promoted. Right. And they, they made a point of, of making sure that I understood that, which was fabulous because they didn't have to do that. They could have mm-hmm. just kept me in my little pigeonhole. <laughs> right. And I kept trying to train my replacement, but it's really hard when you're doing 53 things and you're doing them all and you're juggling all these balls in the air. You know, which of these things do you want me to train my replacement on first? And, and they did hire people to sort of backfill and work with me. But when I left, it took five people to replace me. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's a testament to just how much you were actually doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So moving from this place where you're overtaxed and in corporate, what, 
what was it that came to you that that caused you to move out of that space and go, I have to do something a little bit different? What was the catalyst for that? So there were really a couple of things that all happened at the same time. One was that I applied for numerous promotions and they just didn't happen. The other one was that I um, was enrolled at Duke getting my MBA and my manager kept telling me I would never stay, that I would always leave, that that was guaranteed. It was a foregone conclusion. You're going to leave. You're going to leave. You're going to leave. You're going to leave. It's like the universe telling you when you get this degree, you need to go. (laughs) Yes, you need to leave. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go. And sure enough, and then eight weeks after I completed the degree, my father passed away. And I was like, okay, finally, universe, you don't have to tell it to me this hard. I'm going to finally take the clue and run with it. I got it. I understand. Okay, fine. I'll do it. I'll go do something different. So what was it about your father passing away that, that was like that last little needle on the camel's back? Yeah, it was definitely a kick in the camel's back. Um, For me, it was really that realization that life is too short. My mom had passed away two years younger. She was 67. My dad passed away at 71. And life is just too short. It's too brief. It's too precious to be spending years and years and years in a job that's okay, but certainly not fulfilling and not exciting. And I don't wake up in the mornings raring and ready to go. It's like, okay, I got to do this. Okay, you know, one foot on the ground. Let's, let's keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, thump, thump, thump. But, but no real excitement and joy. Yeah, absolutely. So once you had this realization, what was it you chose to leave them to go do? So while I was at Duke, I had gotten my concentration in entrepreneurship and innovation, and I actually put together a plan for a home care agency. So um, I I had two things going at that time. I had been doing some business consulting on the side with small businesses and started Leadership Girl at that time. And then I also had done my concentration and decided that I was going to go start a home care agency because I saw how important that was. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, and firsthand, right? You just went oh, yeah. through it. <laughs> yes. I mean, we saw the good, the bad, the ugly with my dad. We saw caregivers who were absolutely amazing, who took spectacular care of my dad. And then there were caregivers who left my dad by himself unattended for three hours in the middle of the day so they could go pick up a friend from the train oh. station oh. and everything in between. So it was really, you know, this whole thing where, wow, you know, there's such a range and the pay and the conditions and, you know, so many home care agencies didn't treat their employees well. And, you know, it's a really dog eat dog market. And I really got into that business wanting to help and really make a difference in the lives of so many seniors. And that was really something we managed to do. That's wonderful. So what, uh, how did you approach that differently than the other people in the market? Um, The first thing that we did was we made all of our caregivers employees versus contractors. That may not sound like much, but 
ultimately that was huge because just withholding taxes properly um, and paying, you know, our portion of the taxes made a huge difference to them as well. Um, you know, it, it's, it's little tiny things like that. We offered um, benefits to our caregivers. Now, we didn't offer full health, health insurance, but we did offer supplemental insurance, and we offered a 401k, and we offered other, you know, pieces of benefit, and including paid time off, which is completely unheard oh, of in the industry. That's huge. Yeah, absolutely. So, we did a lot of things there to take better care of our caregivers, but we also made a point of using best-in-class technology for our business as well. So, you know, that meant that we were, you know, using electronic check-in and check-out to monitor, you know, the location of our caregivers when they were checking in and checking out to make sure that they were actually gasp on site. <laughs> actually there caring for the people. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that it's amazing the little things that make a difference, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, it's... It's almost funny how having standards of who you are and are not going to hire and actually completing background checks and doing drug checks, um, that really weeds out a lot of the potential caregivers. Even people that were active. We had one or two cases where we did somebody's background check and we had things come up where somebody had been um, actively convicted of elder abuse and yet they were currently employed by another agency holy buckets absolutely that's that's nightmare kind of stuff right there oh my goodness right and they were actively employed at the time by another agency oh my goodness yeah and drug screens you know how many drug screens could you imagine came back positive way too many i imagine absolutely you know and Drug abuse in that population is really huge because they have ready access to their patients' medications. So yeah. it's a thing. I'm sure it is a thing, and it's easy to slip a pill in your pocket as opposed to putting it on the tray for the person to take. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. absolutely. Or you know, one for you, one for me. Yeah. Why did that prescription run out early? Hmm. I wonder. So how long were you tooling along in the healthcare area? I tooled along in that area for about three years. Nice. We did senior placement, we did transportation, we did companion care, and then we eventually were able to obtain our license to do hands-on care. So we spent a full three years in that market before I ended up deciding ultimately that I had to sell that business. Yeah. And it was definitely a journey and a half. I'll bet it was. All right. So what what was the triggering thing that caused you to say, okay, I need to think about selling the business and moving on to other fields? My oldest daughter fell off of a horse, sustained a traumatic brain injury, and spent months and months in and out of the hospital. It fundamentally changed who she was, how she thought, everything in our worlds. And I realized that, you know, with the staffing needs that a home care agency has and financial needs and everything, 
and her needs just to keep her alive. I couldn't do both at the same time. I really had to make a very, very hard decision in my life about, okay, this, none of this is going well right now. How do I make the pain stop and really pull it all together and decide what I'm going to do in my life? And then, of course, because I'm hard-headed and I don't take an easy clue by anything, I wound up in the hospital with cardiac symptoms. Oh, no. At the same time. So it was, you know, never one to, to miss a good clue by four. You know, I require at least two or three. You know, <laughs> definitely one of those experiences where I was like, okay, it's time. Yes, the body is like, you are going to sit down. And if you don't listen to this warning, we will take you down. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. That is really something. Whew. Scary. Well, it, it, did it turn out to be anything serious or it was just a, a hint? It was just a hint. Oh. Um, it, was, uh, it was, you know, the, the, the pain in my shoulder and the, the roughness of breathing, probably just a cold. But, you know... Everything checked out well. I was healthy, but I was like, okay, my body is telling me it is time to change and do something different and fundamentally change my life and my business and really make some big changes. All right. Well, we are fixing to go to break here, so we will hear about those big changes after we come back from break. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us, uh, Zofia Renea, at Twitter the Z-O-F-I-A-R-E-N-N-E-A. And Haley's Twitter is Dartha, D-A-R-T-H-A, Stewart, Dartha Stewart. So we will come back to from the break shortly. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get Amplified. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel. Financial freedom and money are subjects that many people are uncomfortable discussing. These don't have to be. Listen for Money, Mindset, and Love with Thomas DeShooter. We're all about sharing ideas with tips, amazing guests, and input from you, the listeners. It's time to dream big and help each other reach our goals. Not only will you get closer to financial freedom, but you'll learn more about spirituality, work-life balance, and empowerment. Listen live Thursdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Influencers. 
We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thank you for hanging in with us through the break there. We appreciate your patience. We're here today talking with Haley Gray. If you would like to get a behind-the-scenes peek, we are simulcasting onto my Facebook page. That is facebook.com slash transformation space, and you can get all of the behind-the-scenes information and see what we do during the breaks and all that excitement if you follow us there. And before the break, we were talking to Haley about her journey out of the corporate world into home care and then out of home care again. And so, Haley, why don't you pick up where we left off and tell us where you went next? Right. So, you know, after spending a a good night in the hospital and having a major scare, I was like, okay, this has got to stop. So the first thing I did was message one of my friends and say, okay, I need to sell my home care agency. And I had a buyer in less than 24 hours. Wow. So huge demand for licenses here in North Carolina. And I was able to secure a buyer very quickly, moved through um, and went through shutting down and transferring the business, um, you know, shutting down my side of it, transferring the rest, moving all the records, doing all that fun stuff that is selling a business in Less than four weeks. Wow. It's amazing when it's meant to happen, it just goes. It just went. And um, really, I mean, it was the best thing. I was like, you know what? I'm going to focus on the stuff that I do best, which is social media and digital marketing and the business coaching and websites. And I'm going to finally, you know, do all the stuff that I really want to be doing. And I had had this huge resistance against doing websites. I'm like, I'm not really a graphic designer, but never mind that I've done programming for 20 some odd years doing every aspect of website development on the back end (laughs) and, you know, testing and all of that. And, you know, suddenly I'm like, I'm not a website designer. Okay, fine. I'll fix your website. And the next thing you know, I'm making this really great business out of, okay, fine. I'll fix your website. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how we resist the stuff that just comes so innate and natural to us, isn't it? (laughs) It is. It really is funny. And it's like, okay, fine. I'll manage your social media. And it has slowly grown over time and, and been really amazing for me. You know, and... People talk about, you know, that it takes three to five years. Um, You know, fortunately for me, I started out of the gate with clients already because I had been building that side of the business a little bit while I had my home care agency. And it has really grown in that um, two and a half years since. It's been really amazing. Um, Just adding new services and Facebook ads and Google AdWords and sales funnel creation and um, websites and websites and websites and more websites. Oh, my. (laughs) 
Now, there are a lot of people out there doing websites nowadays. How is it that you bring your spiritual side into your business? How are you different in your approach than other people in the marketplace because of that connection with higher self? For me, building a website or any part of this is really about getting to know my clients and understanding who they are as people and really getting to know what they need in their business. So it's not just a, here's a website, plunk, plunk, done, which I have seen plenty of people do, but it's really getting to know and understand them and really build those relationships with them. And I really care deeply about my clients. I try my best to get them the best results. So it's that continual research and trying to find another way and a better way and a more affordable way to, to do the best. And there's a lot of times where I end up saving my clients significant amounts of money because we're able to discontinue certain things or change others and really approach things a bit differently. And I'm not always about, hey, you need to pay me to do these services. You can either pay me to do them or I'll teach you how to do them. Um, And it really works well for a lot of my clients, especially super small business owners, because they don't have a budget of, you know, four or $500 or $1,000 a month to be spending on marketing stuff. They really need to be doing it themselves. So, Mm -hmm. I take that approach of, okay, I understand that this isn't your budget. We're going to work with you and teach you how to do it and support you while you do it and make sure that you're ultimately successful just by taking really good care of you. Is this what the um, Women's Entrepreneur Network is about? Absolutely. So it's about providing support and resources for women entrepreneurs. And yes, it does generate referrals to me for my business, of course, but that allows women entrepreneurs to come together and ask questions and get questions answered and get support in a non-threatening, safe environment, you know, that's not going to cost them an arm and a leg to come in and join. Exactly. We have this great program for you. It's only (laughs) $1,997. Right. Or, you know, here, join my program. It's only $13,000. And for most people, that might as well be asking them to to climb a mountain. Yeah, exactly. Let me sell my car. (laughs) Exactly. And unfortunately, there are a lot of coaches out there that will coach you through selling your car. Or they'll have financing available on site for you to finance their program, which is only thirteen or $15,000, which, you know, I, I understand that you, you need to get paid what you're worth, but if you're making more money, you know, out of this program than the person is in the entire year out of their business, then there's a problem. Yeah, exactly. I, I think there are places for those programs, but it doesn't tend to be the, the newbie starting out person. No, exactly. I mean, if your business can support that kind of expenditure, great. You know, it, it's matured to the point that you can can afford to shell that out. Fantastic, right? Because that means that you have achieved a certain level of growth in your business. But many small business owners, I was talking to one today, really cannot afford, you know, month in and month out to be putting out that kind of money or they simply won't have any profit left in their business. 
Yeah, and profit is what pays the mortgage and puts food on the table. Yes, you know, puts food on the table, sends your daughter to dance lessons and all of those wonderful things. And, you know, after all, if you're not making a profit, then this is just a really expensive hobby, not a business. Yeah, exactly. And I I have other hobbies I'd like to have besides a business that doesn't make cash. (laughs) Exactly, right? I I think of other things I'd rather do. Oh my gosh, right? So I'm going to make you feel guilty for not having the money to, to, to do that right now. I don't think so. <laughs> so compared to having the home care business, which was extremely, what do I want to say, directly caring for people and their loved ones in a tough time of their life, how, do, how does this business compare with the other business? What does it do for you personally? How does it feed your soul? Well, there's definitely certain parallels that you wouldn't expect. One of them is, you know, caring for my clients and being here to help serve them. Um, You know, my whole team, my whole business is really built around, we're here to help you and take stress away from your life and take, take away part of your life that you really may not enjoy doing. Tasks that are, you know, yeah, you could probably do this, but not to your best and highest self. Mm-hmm. Um, monitoring Facebook ads um, is time consuming and it requires a lot of split testing and it requires a lot of attention on ads. And that's why we have people that do it full time because it is a thing that just requires a lot of attention, a lot of babysitting and a lot of time. And if you're trying to run a business, it's really hard to do that at the same time. Yeah, exactly. You don't sleep or your bookkeeping doesn't get done or Heaven only knows what else. <laughs> there are right. lots You're of not things eating, that give. Taking care of yourself. Yeah, and it's important to take care of yourself because business is yes. a marathon. It's not a sprint. <laughs> oh yeah. So, looking back from where you were to where you are now, how would you say you have fundamentally changed over the past what has it been six or seven years? I have started really caring a lot more about other people. And really focusing on spending that time taking care of people. Um, I recognize that that is something that my soul really needs is that being able to take care of people and do my best for them. Serving um, is part of my um, love language. So being able to do that every day, you know, nourishes my soul. It makes me feel good. Oh, that's wonderful. And getting to do that on a daily basis is kind of a requirement for my soul. Absolutely. And then putting on my own oxygen mask first. In the last year or so, I've really been focusing more on me and what does Haley want and how does Haley want it? And how am I going to take care of myself so that I can do my best and highest for everybody else around me? Because if I don't put on my own oxygen mask if I, first, if I'm not taking care of myself, then I can't take care of anybody else either. Exactly. When did you come to that realization? It's been kind of a slow, painful realization. It was probably last year in April or May um, where I was dealing with some situations and I started having literal physical pain after dealing with those situations 
And I realized that I was giving way more of myself than I needed to be. Yeah. And not putting myself first. My weight ballooned. Um, pain in my shoulder, pain in my back, just constant pain. And that's really not a good place to be. No, and it makes it really hard to do anything under those circumstances. It surely does, yeah. So looking back on your life thus far, what are the three most important lessons you've learned? What are the three most important lessons that I have learned? I think one of the most recent ones is definitely put on your own oxygen mask first. It sounds so incredibly selfish to put on your own oxygen mask first, but for me, that has been critical to getting through the last year in dealing with a child who is bouncing in and out of the hospitals and ricocheting between hospitals and just major issues going on and realizing that if I didn't take care of myself, I couldn't take care of her, I couldn't take care of my clients, and I couldn't do anything. Um, That was really kind of my biggest aha Um, as far as other three, you know, my other two lessons, um, really focusing on taking care of other people. It's not all about me. Mm -hmm. And, um, really care for others. Um, and taking that time to care for others has been so important and friends and relationships, um, Really caring for those people is important. Um, my third lesson, gosh, so many, so many things that I have um, learned um, and and had to learn there. Um, really focusing on that higher self and being that higher self is important. Because um, if I try to be something that I'm not, and you know, try to be other than who I really am as a person, as a being in my life, in my business, um, it really doesn't go well for me. It just um, truly ends up blowing up in my face. So how do you focus on, how do you identify that higher self part of you and how do you focus on that? Ooh, that's a really tough question, right? Um, so because really, it's easy to say, right? But everybody is out there going, well, but <laughs> well, but you know, and that takes a lot of introspection and a lot of time. It's not like it's easy or intuitive all the time. Um, I wish I could say, yeah, I can, you know, pull out my dousing rod and it, it'll tell me which way to go. And it's really more than that. It's really listening and meditating on different things that I'm doing in my life and how I'm doing them and making sure that they're really in alignment um, and that I'm focusing on putting my oxygen mask first, paying attention to to what my higher self needs and really, you know, is this part of that mission and am I, it does it all fit together and am I taking on too much right now? Mm. Do you have an example of that from the last year or so? Something that you, you meditated on and went, Oh, not in alignment. Ooh, not in alignment. I've had clients that were not in alignment where I was, you know, getting called at 930 on a, on a Saturday night and they wanted me to answer the phone immediately and um, demanding, you know, and calling me repeatedly. And I was like, 
I'm nowhere near anywhere that I'm really even able to answer. And I realized, you know, look, I have to let this person go. Yeah. And the money is great, but if you can't, um, yeah, you know, it, take care it, of yourself. <laughs> exactly. If they're calling you at 9.30 at night for something, they should have talked to you about at 10 a.m. <laughs> right. The, the day before, during normal business hours, then we've got a problem. Yeah, exactly. And so what did you do with this client? Um, we ended up parting ways, you know, pretty much right then. Um, it worked out pretty well because I ended up getting fired for not answering my phone at 9 o'clock on a on a, you know, on a Saturday night. So it was, it was perfect. I was like, I, I was online and I was talking to somebody and I'm like, I think I'm going to have to let this client go. And I was getting, I was actually in the process of composing that email when I got the, you're fired letter. And I was like, Oh, look at that. I don't oh, even have to do anything. Great. You saved me from writing the hit the road email. <laughs> exactly. It was perfect. That's wonderful. So if you had to go back over the last like six or seven years, because there's a lot of stuff that's gone on. Well, you know what? I'm going to hold this question, actually. We're going to have you answer that question when we come back from the break. But in the meantime, while we're on break, if you want to find us on Transformation Space on Facebook, you can get the behind-the-scenes peek. Um, you can also connect with me on Facebook at Sophia Renea Morales, the Z-O-F-I-A-R-E-N-N-E-A on Facebook, and we can have conversations over there as well. I look forward to speaking to y'all after the break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. There's a new force to be reckoned with in talk radio. It's not just talk radio. Hosted by LaTanya Jr. and co-host Tina Wynn and Tony Brown. Not Just Talk Radio is like a superhero. Inspiring, problem-solving, and informing with action-provoking conversations from news, movements, and social and politics issues. This program is about a wide range of voices and fresh points of view from experts, celebrities, and you, the listener. Not Just Talk Radio is broadcast live Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in every week to the Voice America Influencers Channel for The Movement with Shannon D. Hughes. It's all about what's happened in the past that determines the future. Everyone has their up moments and their down moments. The pendulum is always swinging between the victories and the pitfalls in our lives. But each of these serves as success points that we learn from and move forward. Listen for The Movement every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America in Influencers Channel. 
Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Welcome back from break. It's good to have you all back with us. We're talking to Haley Gray. And before the break, I started to ask her, looking back on the past several years of her life, if she had to go back and live through it again, live through, you know, the difficult times in corporate and losing her father and all of the healthcare challenges that went around that, and then having to sell her business because of the traumatic brain injury and all of the issues that went with her daughter around that, uh, whether she would go back and do it again. So Haley, why don't you weigh in on that issue? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure I need to go through any any of that again. Um, <laughs> and I have to say, if I had the opportunity to go back through it again, I would certainly make some different decisions. But yeah, I absolutely would because I wouldn't be the person that I am today without having done all of those things. Really good things and really awful mistakes that I've made at times. Interesting. I'd like to pick your brain around that. What are some of the things that you'd make slightly different decisions around? Um, I, when I started my home care agency, it was with an abundance of optimism. And I spent entirely too much money on advertising and on all kinds of things. And I know that those are common mistakes that entrepreneurs make. You know, it sounded like it was a good enough idea at the time or that it would work and that the person selling it to me, you know, was like, oh, yeah, there's all these leads. Well, of course, <laughs> if they're not converting and they're not, you know, the least bit qualified and you're spending a lot of money for them, then it's just not going to work. So. Yeah really being cognizant of, you know, how much money I was spending and how I was spending. I think if I had to go back and start my home care agency again, I would have done it with just me and a, an RN, a nurse, mm-hmm. um, and really not had the same amount of overhead and staffing um, that I ended up with because, you know, I realized after the fact how little of that was really, really necessary. Yeah, Um, and the important lesson is that all leads are not created equal. (laughs) All leads are not created equal, yeah. You need to have somebody who's doing, you know, operations, and you need to have somebody who's doing marketing. And that's about what you need to have, you know, in the early days with a home care agency. So, I mean, certainly if I had that option, I would, um, you know, go back and I would spend a lot less money and spread myself a lot less than. Yeah, well, and that would also result in, hello, better self-care, right? (laughs) Better self-care, more money, all of those things, yeah, would have been phenomenal. Absolutely. Ah, So if you had any advice for your 20-year-old self, this would be the one who's like in her second year of college, what would that be? Actually, it would have been my third year of college, having just gotten married, But it really would have been to really listen to who I was and who I am. Uh, 
I went into computer science, not because I liked it, but because it sounded like it was a good career path at the time and I could make money and support myself and do all those things, which are lofty and wonderful things, but it didn't feed into my need of who am I as a person. Mm. And I would have basically said, hey, girl, you know, the things that you're really wanting to do, don't expect to be noticed and have other people recognize you. Go out and fight for what you really want and take it. Don't just hope that somebody's going to notice and hand it to you. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were 20, Mm -hmm. were you able to really hear who you are? Or were you more focused on, you know, what you're supposed to do, get the degree, check off the boxes and do all of that? I was strangely aligned with what I really wanted to do. I had actually started college um, studying architecture, which is a passion of mine. But I realized pretty quickly that I couldn't um, really easily make a living at it because I wasn't artsy-fartsy enough incidentally. And I didn't have the right family connections and the right mojo and the right type of personality to be really successful at it. Because most architects ultimately end up doing many years of education for not very much money and ultimately end up leaving the field. So I I recognized that pretty early on. And I switched majors after my marriage when I was 19 year old, 19 years old. So I definitely had a lot of that awareness, but what I really wanted was to be moving my way up in corporate and be wildly successful. And I got my degree and that was not necessarily a bad thing. Um, But then I expected for people to notice the great work I was doing and to not, you know, push myself out of my comfort zone. And I, did what I thought I was supposed to do, which was go get a regular job and hope people notice me. And of course, as you know, you you don't just get noticed if you hope that it's going to happen. So the goals that I had as far as moving up in the corporate world and doing those sorts of things never materialized because I never made them happen. Um, You know, if you're waiting for an invitation in corporate, no. Right, exactly. (laughs) Wait a long time. (laughs) If you're waiting for an invitation in life, period, it's never going to happen. So it would have been, you know, get out of your own way and reach for what you want sooner because nobody else but you is really going to make it happen. And that's been a lesson that I've taught my daughters and my sons too. Um, You know, make what you want happen. So if you had some advice for our listeners who are out there going, okay, I'm in this job that I'm not happy with Mm -hmm. and I'd like to make a change. I don't really want to be a guru sitting on top of a mountain. I don't want to, you know, spend years in a cave meditating. How do I connect to myself? How do I decide what my next move should be? What kind of advice do you have for them? Yeah, I I don't know that sitting on a mountain for years meditating is going to be very productive, especially because so many of us have really busy, busy lives. We have kids, we have families, we have bills to pay. But taking a little bit of time to really discover who you are as a person and figuring out what your goals ultimately are. So what do you want to achieve by the time you're 30? What do you want to achieve by the time you're 40 or 50? Um, where or did 60 you, for or 60, bloomers. right? <laughs> and you know, how does your family fit into this? You know, your husband, your wife, your children, you know, your pets, 
because those things can all very much affect what you want. And then figure out what steps you're going to have to take in order to get there. Is it education? Is it internships? Is it a job change? Is it working with a career coach? Mm -hmm. Is it, you know, going out and starting your own business on the side while you're working in a corporate job until the side hustle can make enough money to support you? What exactly steps do you need to take in order to, to make those goals happen? Um, in order to, to start crafting that life that you really want. I don't necessarily advocate, okay, I'm going to go sit on a mountain or I'm just going to walk out one day and quit my job. I think if I had to go back and tell myself to not just quit my job, I would probably do that too. <laughs> Was that what you did? I did. Uh. <laughs> yes, of course. So, so you're getting the the advice from someone who's been down that road, don't do it that way. <laughs> don't do it that way. That's not real productive. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Because it, it took us, even if I had quit my job down the line, it took us almost six months to get our license in the first place before we could even open the doors. And yeah. if I had only waited that extra six months, that would have been a significant amount of money in my pocket. Yeah, and it would have saved a lot of financial stressing without it. It would have, yeah. And, you know, not um, hiring people until we had that license in place and doing all those things. So when you walked out, did you know what you wanted to do or had you were you still deciding on that? I was certain of what I wanted to do. I was okay. sure I wanted to start the home care agency. And we knew that we had to, you know, go through the whole credentialing process and licensing and do all those types of things. But, um, you know, I don't think I realized how long it was going to take to get certain things done. Mm-hmm. It can be hard to wait, though. Because when you're in that circumstance, it's like, oh, I just want that pain to end, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you know, and if you're ready for the pain to end, then maybe it's a, um, you know, find another job and then make that exit strategy. I, you know, if you can afford it to go straight into like a side hustle or a new career or whatever, great. But for most people, that's not really a reality. And I see way too many people, you know, because I, I live in the entrepreneurial world. I see too many people in the Women's Entrepreneur Network who are so desperate for clients. They just can't stand themselves. And, of course, that has the opposite effect. Of what yeah, the clients run. <laughs> they can smell the desperation on your breath and they run. I'm like, go drive Uber, go work at, at McDonald's. I don't care what you have to do. Go find another side hustle and do it until you are making enough money that you can come back to this and not be, you know, that vampire kind of. <laughs> exactly. When, when you can walk away from a client and go, well, if it's not right for you right now, that's fine. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's amazing the difference in the energy of the positioning. Absolutely. Because once you can take desperation out of the equation, whatever you need to do to take your desperation out of the equation, things become a lot easier to handle. And they tend to flow and move, and you start seeing that flow and ease. But clients can smell desperation a mile away. Absolutely. Well, I have one last question for you here, and that is, do you have any projects right now that you're excited about in your business? Absolutely. I just released my latest book. It's called Fearless Marketing. It is 
Fearless Marketing, your eight-figure business blueprint. And we literally take you from zero to eight figures and all of the steps that you need to take from a marketing perspective and planning your marketing from when you start your business and, you know, making sure that you are doing all of the right things in your business and maybe some of the things you should not be doing and being aware of, you know, these are some expensive painful mistakes that I've made and I've seen my clients make too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's a, that's a big promise right there from zero to eight figures. And yet it's surprisingly easy. You know, if you can do and follow the checklists and just do the things that we're telling you to do consistently, um, it's amazing how fast your business will grow. Um, Eight figures may sound crazy, But if your business really does have that potential for earning and you start structuring um, your marketing and your your business and operations processes around it, then it really is pretty achievable pretty quickly. Wow. So if you are sitting in that corporate job going, I want out of here, maybe that's the thing to do is to get the book and to start laying out the plan. Exactly. And I'm a big believer in planning and research. I mean, first things first, you know, always start at the beginning because if you don't do that research and that's the not sexy part and the part that takes the longest is all that research. That's the part you can easily do while you're still working in your existing corporate job. Exactly. Do I need licensing? What kind of insurance do I need? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Those sorts of things. Exactly. And there's always all these questions that people have, you know, what do I need to do about payroll and taxes and an accountant and an attorney? And do I need to incorporate? And the answer is probably yes. And you need to talk to an attorney about that. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you're doing all the right stuff and that you have enough money to tide you over for a while. Well, and that's the other beautiful thing about still being working while you're doing that. It's easier to pay the attorney and to pay the incorporation fees and all that sort of stuff. (laughs) Exactly. If you have a little bit of savings and disposable income. Exactly. Which you need if you're going to leave and start your own gig. I know when my husband started his, um, he had clients who already wanted to work with him, but there's always a lead time in the conversion from we want to work with you to here's the signed contract and the check, right? Absolutely. Even from that position, it took five months before the business was able to spin out money to allow us to pay for the mortgage and that sort of thing. Yeah. And that that's with clients already, you know, queued up and looking to work with you. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's that planning and that making sure that you've got something lined up before you just take that blind step out on faith. I mean, not that you can't and not that you shouldn't if you're absolutely back to the wall, but it's not necessarily my first choice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it has been fabulous talking with you today, Haley. And I thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to have this interview with us and to support my folks in understanding how the the higher self can be incorporated into practical day-to-day things. Well, thank you for having me. This has been really delightful. Oh, good. I'm glad you've enjoyed it. So... I hope you all will come back and join us next week on Sovereign Self. We are going to be talking with uh, Joe Hausman next week and are looking forward to hearing about how she got guided into her work and how she brings her higher self into her day-to-day life. 
So go ahead and continue the conversation with us over on Transformation Space on Facebook, or at, you can tweet with me, Sophia Renea, on Twitter, the Z-O-F-I-A-R-E-N-N-E-A. And until next week, have a blessed and magical life. Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week right here 